0: There wasn't any trailers, was there? I can't, dude. I literally,
1: yeah. Oh, what no, what about the one on the weekend? Uh, George Miller movie that the name I forgot totally already.
0: Oh, uh, like
1: 3,000 years of longing,
0: yeah. 300 or 3,000. I think
1: it's 3,000. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I it's it's wild that that is a um, a George Miller film. The guy that did it's weird that we're getting it this summer, dude. What a BOC miss. No, I mean, I, I, I knew um, I knew of of its existence. I just was completely surprised that it would go to, you know, premiere at Canes like that. That's a, you know, for the, you know, people out there that, you know, don't know, this is the weekend where uh, Canes is holding their festival. So it's kind of neat to see these films get their first premiere. And like we were talking about today in the in the group chat it's always funny seeing like the same innovations and like how long they were. It's like, there's a guy, there's a job out there where he holds a stopwatch and he's like, click time. And then he, and then he, you know, records the information.
1: My whole thing is like, how does, who decides when the ovation ends?
0: Like everyone's, seen. I feel
1: like they could all just be standing there clapping for God knows how long. And like the real situation of it all is like, all right. So like, when are we going to finish up? Like, I'm not gonna be the first one to sit down.
0: <laughs> you just start looking at the people next to you, right?
1: Everyone's just looking around, waiting for someone to stop and make the first move, and then like 20 minutes later, the the ovation is still going.
0: Um and yeah, for the longest time, it's just kind of been like that. But no, the trailer. I mean, visually, it looks uh, dope. Um, I mean, no surprise though coming from George Miller on the on the visual levels, right? But like. It's interesting seeing just, um, as always, Tilda Swinton and, and Andrew Selva. I'm kind of excited to see that, that combination go about. Uh, what, I mean, as excited as I am to kind of see how that film plays out, because uh, it looks like it's riffing on from that Genie Three Wishes to some other uh, some other stuff. But
1: Dude, it had like the feel of, I don't want to start comparing things to this movie because I don't want this movie to start feeling commercialized because the whole the, the like, be, the beautiful thing about this movie was how original and unique it was, but like, it has like an everything everywhere all at once kind of feel where like a lot of things are happening all to, at the same time. And you're trying to like, there's it, it, it's not holding your hand in chaos and like, it you, all these rules are getting fired at you, and it's this crazy world, and you just have to deal with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, it coming out in the summer, it's an odd release, but um, but it's it should be. I mean, I
1: guess it's not hunting for awards, but like, oh, it could still, still get. It.
0: It's still, I don't know.
1: I feel like this is one of those ones that could blow up in the director's face real hard and be like not good. It was a interesting trade yeah, trailer, but not something that like I feel like is a guarantee.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, it's not even uh, the Idris Elba film that I'm most excited for that comes out this year. Uh, He has that one that is titled Beast that comes out later in the summer. And that's about, that's the one. Oh,
1: that's also George Miller? No, no,
0: no, no. Idris Elba.
1: Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. Yeah. Uh, That's the one where he plays the the guy who's hunting down. Right, right. Yes. (sighs) Which I wouldn't be surprised if we get a trailer for that soon, you know, um, on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know we haven't had the t- discussion of it yet because I've been busy, but um, what was it like for you to wake up with the text messages that a certain trailer got leaked and we got to see it?
1: I didn't see it. I didn't like search for it. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna-
0: Wait. <laughs> Let me tell you,
1: I opened your well. I don't want to hear about it, but I opened oh the God, link God. that you sent me and Twitter had already removed it. So you're a bad boy.
0: I mean, t- yeah. And I'm pretty naughty after watching it because what I saw hold me down.
1: Let me guess. Wait, let me ma- let me make some guesses. You can uh, we see. So we see Tom Cruise running. We Honestly, see Tom's Tom just- doing a crazy stunt, like a crazy stunt, maybe going to space.
0: Oh, whoa no not space but a couple stunts yeah
1: and we see a bunch of the old characters for like a second but the majority of the trailer is tom cruise
0: dude actually um it's majority of the supporting characters to be the
1: majority of the trailer is simon peg making jokes
0: what's actually funny is how you're saying old returning characters we get the return of kit rich but i'm no so- say actors it's the guy from the first one, his boss from the first one. Oh, John Voight. Oh, not John Voight, but the other guy, the secretary.
1: Kittredge. I don't know that. Okay. Was, yeah, was, I mean, okay. Uh, I guess you don't know the actor either, but. I know the actor. I can't
0: pronounce the last name. Also,
1: what part of don't spoil do you, did I just say? Or did okay. you not understand? He was
0: Henry Turnzine. If I send you this picture, you'll wreck. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's I see.
1: mean, probably, but
0: I uh, get. Yeah. See. This is a brand new phone. Let's no, see. I can't see.
1: You did get a brand new phone? Hold
0: on. Maybe the, yeah, boom. Look. Yeah, I mean, I can hardly see that dude. fucking glares in this bedroom. I tell you what, man, basement's going to be nice. It's the dude. It's- Noah's basement
1: is a glare free zone, so it'll be great. You know, the
0: meme, uh, the thing I always said, the list is in the open. That's the guy that Tom Cruise is talking to. But anyway, sure, yeah. Okay. Anyways, that is for another time because we do have to. It, the, the one thing I just wanted to say, though, is like that trailer got released. It's supposed to come out during Top Gun Maverick. If we got to see
1: that much, why can't it just come out? I mean, I'm still going to see it early. I guarantee you the why? content. Uh, what? It still so doesn't come out until next year. Like, why do we have to wait if we got oh, it? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. But I will watch the trailer as soon as it's in my system. I bet it'll be in there tomorrow for my Tuesday premieres.
0: It's, it said Wednesday was going to be online, so I figured that would be when um, that gets up, Which well, I,
1: I have a trailer pack that I need to assign with it on there. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, when you guys sent that this morning, I was like, oh, that probably means this. Ow.
0: Okay, well, welcome back to Cinderables. My name is Brent, uh, halfway with you, halfway with you.
1: And my name is the same without the N and an extra T. What'd you call me?
0: <laughs> What'd you call me? We're coming at you with a TV-free zone.
1: Did you say that? <laughs>
0: yeah, we're both, you know, in the... Um, both. You
1: are already in a mood, my friend. This is going to be a weird
0: episode. And, and And I was like, I have an energy drink. I could drink it. I spent like a probably... Uh, a solid 20 minutes of standing still not knowing what to do. <laughs> I have two boxes. Jesus Christ guy. I have two boxes as you can see in my Zoom PowerPoint presentation here. But like I don't know what to put in them. It's like I did the Your no
1: time to die posters gone.
0: Uh and the fall the fallout and the yeah. You know, but like I don't know what to put in these boxes because like I have everything obviously coordinated and Mapped out in my head, like how it's all going to go down. All that's left right now is the desk and everything on it. And then I don't know. I'm just the
1: I'm, stuff you're currently recording on. I'm
0: just yeah, I'm just I'm ready. I'm and you know the best. Well, not the best part, but to, you know to wrap it up real quick. But I plan on sleeping like a hermit, a barren hibernation this entire week when I get back.
1: <laughs> As you should.
0: Yes. Uh, one one thing I know I won't stop on is watching movies because. That is what we do, um, on our segment of Brent and Brett go to the movies.
1: Right, Brent and Brett yeah. going to the movies right after updates on Brent's life. The segment. <laughs>
0: it's pre- pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big move though, right? Uh, but yeah, we had the lovely pleasure of um, getting to see one film in theaters and one on streaming. It's kind of spread there- right. We should we should put
1: one of the uh one of the films that we saw on streaming should have been in theaters if you ask me and yeah, not for box office competition but I understand. you're well dude it would have kicked ball sack in the box office competition oh it would have done so well you're crazy uh, ah you're crazy dude there's so much in this movie that the parents would be going like a uh, dozen times with the kids. Just so they can catch all the Easter eggs. It will
0: probably make a little less in bad guys, which no, is still money. you're crazy. Well,
1: bad I'm guys is still making out. money, but I'm I 100%. think your opening weekend is way bigger, dude. There's so many '90s Disney afternoon kids sitting out there right now, without kids that would have gone and saw the Chippendale movie opening
0: night. On, and, and on that subject, those people that did watch it are probably half and half between how are you and I are both are.
1: I don't think that's. I don't think it's half. Cause I, I can't wait to get the opinion of our friend Bill who said he watched it today, but if he likes it, that's going to be the real telltale sign.
0: No telltales or something else, whatever. Uh, but it should be noted uh, on the producer producer's notes here that we did not see it down to two. Um I'm busy right now. Uh, fuck yeah. about that. But I will plan to watch it and I will give a quick, you know, Sidebar on that one when, when the time comes. Um, but
1: and um, I don't care to watch it, so it's not
0: bad. You know, I
1: don't care that it's bad. It's just uh, well, there's oh, an entire show of backstory, obviously, but apparently you can watch it without it. I just don't really
0: can watch it without it. You even
1: give it it. an ounce of a fuck to go watch this movie about old British people gossiping to their servants about each other. Like, what the fuck? <laughs>
0: Not servants, it's it's a family. Oh. it's it's half the servants and half the family and that
1: servants are in the basement and shit and we're telling everyone secrets and there's there's secrets inside the house and we gotta keep those secrets from grandma
0: or whatever. Bro, actually it's grandma keeping secrets from oh and I didn't even have to Yeah,
1: and one big secret she's keeping is that she's a wizard. Not in this universe. You don't know that. I do know that. No, you don't. She could be hiding it. Oh. <laughs> all right. So I had no interest in Downton Abbey whatsoever, but something I had a massive amount of interest in as soon as I heard who was behind the creative, like the creative minds behind the movie, the project title, the premise, the, the whole concept of it all, the first trailer, all of these things got me incredibly hyped for this movie. And that is Chippendales Rescue Rangers that released on Disney plus on Friday. I am if you know me and you've asked me what my favorite movie is, I'm one of the guys that doesn't have to sit there and think about it. My favorite movie of all time is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a movie where there's cartoons that work in Hollywood that have their lives outside of the cartoons that they make inside of our world. And that movie has resonated with me and and carried with me through my entire film loving career. And now in 2022, we have a movie that is such a perfect spiritual successor to that movie. So much so that we see our boy Roger Rabbit dancing around on the dance floor. Mind you, we only get to see the part that was in the trailer. It's just seeing him for that much time. It made my heart sing, dude, like literally getting to see one of my favorite characters. And there's another uh, Easter egg where you see that, like, you see some dip. So they, they knew what they were doing when they were making this movie. But this movie has so many cartoons shoved into it. Just like how crazy it was seeing Looney Tunes side-by-side side with Walt Disney cartoons, they've taken characters from every facet of the entertainment world, cartoon characters, from all studios, all video games, movies, TV, and shoved them into this movie, regardless of if they, like, made any sense or fit in with the, the tone of the, the Disney medium or whatever. Like, we literally see so many characters. Uh, I'm not going to quite, gonna quite sell, spoil any yet because these are still general ideas. But not only did we see all that, but this movie is a true testament to, like, long-term friendship and how, like, even if peoples get pulled apart and, f- and like, fade away from each other, they can always come back and find each other. And, like, that friendship is always strong enough to withstand time like it does. And there, and Chippendale and Andy uh, Sandberg and John Mulaney did a fantastic job as Chippendale. I love them in the roles. Akiva Schaefer, amazing job directing. He has now three of my favorite comedies of the modern era under his belt as a director, with Hot Rod and Pop Star, and now this. And man, I I I have so many good things to say about this movie. But then Brent over there. He might have other things to say.
0: I I don't have other, you know, other things. I mean, I have words um, and sentences. (laughs) Yeah, I watched this kind of caught you surprised because I snuck it in my letterbox. Uh, I would say, um, yes, I watched the show growing up because I had a television
1: (laughs) and 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 cable fancy boy
0: connection but not a father sorry i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs>
1: i think that's the first time you made a joke like that on the air
0: <laughs> so so yes i was certainly in need for some rescue rangers uh, <laughs> um time but I Like you said, uh, I certainly agree with how when we found out who was going to be the people that got this project running off the ground with uh, John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. Um, I, for one, am more in the lane, the lane of Andy Samberg, um, especially the the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, I, th- I mean, you know, I, this would be an interesting kind of poll or whatever, but like I'm pretty sure everyone's introduction to him was just the Lonely Islands and not just like Saturday Night Live. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it was, I mean, his YouTube channel the, and the Lonely Island existed before SNL and they all auditioned and Andy was the only one that got on the cast.
0: Um, geez, such a wild, I feel extremely old realizing that he was on SNL <laughs> after, yeah.
1: Dude, oh my God. And I mean, we're not even going to get started about, I got to watch the finale after this, but everyone's leaving.
0: Makes you wonder the direction the show's going. We're going to be getting Thursday night live here soon. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Get out of here.
0: It's always will be on Saturdays. I was, I was excited to see, you know, the people that were getting on board with it. And um and, and so, in like I've said on probably multiple episodes, like sometimes I'll watch a film just based on this cast because I enjoy the cast. And so I enjoy the people that get into it. And those are pretty well-respected comedians and the way they bring their talent to their work um, with Sandberg. He's done a lot of interesting films, but like I wasn't a fan of um, kind of Popstar was like one that everyone kind of liked, but it was really a
1: lot of people love pop star, including myself. I feel like it's super underrated as a
0: modern day comedy. Um, John Mulaney has some really great standup. So I think when yeah. in them both together, you can easily see the chemistry, even though there's their voice acting here. You can easily see the chemistry within the story. Um, I, you know, I don't have anything like horrible, horrendous downright, you know, don't watch this movie bad to say, you know, I just, I, I popped it on, I sat down and I was able to watch the film with my own delights, you know, with the cameos that pop up. Um, there are some where it becomes where like, you're not really watching a movie. You're just watching a, a Disney reel because that's what Disney does. They don't fucking care. They really don't. But like
1: uh, these Easter eggs, these Easter eggs, like, yes, as fast as a lot of them were, a lot of them became incredibly funny jokes. I I also
0: turned them off in my my head so I could at least watch the film. I wasn't going to pause and see like, oh, these are all the the pieces they, they cut from each of the characters so you can figure out like, Oh, they pulled that person. Like, I was like, you know what? No, I'm just.
1: I mean, uh, I didn't pause that scene and make a list on my phone of all the different things that I saw on that. I tell- I totally didn't do that.
0: I'm going to sleep good tonight. I'm going to. Yeah, good. you are. Good. Um, And so, like, I'll, my, my, I mean, it. my issue and it's not like, a you know, the dark side is pulling me away. But like, it just there comes a point where like enough is enough when you're trying to just enjoy the, you know, the surrounding of what you're hoping is this adaptation because it starts off, you know, it starts off. Okay. It starts off fun. You know, you're getting yourself into it. And then I like the whole idea of one of them remains the, you know, the animation style that we grew up with. Yeah. And the other one gets the, you know, the CGI uplift, which is funny. Yeah.
1: And then the way it connects through like real life, because Baloo a character who was 2d animated and Mm -hmm. is a character in a 2016 3d remake. He elected to get this surgery and now he looks like the CGI. They put they, they tied it in back to the real life. They thought about a lot of this stuff in ways that, like, other people would have just brushed off and been like, yeah, who cares? It's some fucking kids' movie. Like, I, well, they put a lot of thought and effort into this, especially with a lot of the Easter eggs and jokes and like the comedic bits.
0: Well, also, a lot of people are like, you know, Disney can handle the bukkake, but we're going to be okay and not, not do it. That's what. Seeing your face. It's great. I mean,
1: dude, Warner Brothers just did it with Space Jam and Ready yeah, Player yeah. One. It's like yeah, no different. Yeah. But like the way they did this is like in Roger Rabbit,
0: yeah. instead of just
1: shoving all of one IP yeah. from one studio, they were able to pull around and get a, and get things that genuinely surprised you as you were watching.
0: Yeah, and I was also surprised watching fucking Space Jam and seeing Pennywise.
1: Who but that's a Warner Brothers thing? Yeah, they didn't reach out from other studios.
0: Disney is
1: Gets away with everything. Gets away with everything. Yeah, Disney lawyers, baby. It's I'm pretty it. sure. Like it's I know. For, I That's I'm, a new I'm pretty sure
0: it's new they did Bullshit.
1: I like. I mean, it. if we're gonna talk about the Disney lawyers, I heard that they didn't need to do jack shit to get the rights to Ugly Sonic. They didn't pay Sega or oh, Sony oh, or yes. anything.
0: Thanks for, thanks for reminding me. Of one of the parts I really hated in the movie. Actually, now that we're
1: everybody off. loves
0: this Ugly Sonic Everyone part. Hated ugly Sonic. Everyone hated Ugly comic. Sonic. Everyone hated Ugly Sonic. Oh. it became such a, a, a Twitter backlash that it had to change the whole face of. what. Yeah.
1: And I, that was for the better. And they took that moment in history, in film history, and they made an incredible joke of it and put it Not in incredible. this Disney movie. Not incredible. Not incredible. Oh, it's so dude. Not watch incredible. TikTok. It's Everyone incredible. loves the redemption of ugly Sonic.
0: Uh, ugly Sonic. also
1: voiced voiced by SNL alum Tim Robinson.
0: Yes, I was aware. I didn't have to look that up. I've seen the show that he does on Netflix or whatever. But regardless, I you should leave. Regardless, wasn't wasn't a fan. Was but I like. But I like. dude. I liked the chemistry, the camaraderie with Sandberg and Mulaney throughout the entire film. I liked that a lot. That's why I remained very neutral with it, and I pushed all the other garbage. On the side, not garbage. No, I just wanted to see your face there. I re- I put all the other cameos and the IP on the side, and I focus on the rescue ranger aspect to it and the mystery because I, I like the mystery with that. And
1: well, before I gush about all the different things I love, I will admit that I was that my one gripe and my one reason that it didn't end up at a five star and a four <laughs> and a half star is like I loved the story. I loved the idea of these like the chipmunks being these washed-up actors that, like, can't get roles anymore, and it's a perfect commentary and satire on, like, nature of Hollywood and how quick they are to throw someone away after their limelight is out, and that's all great, but, like, this is not a Rescue Rangers movie because, I mean, Monterey Jack, yeah, is the person that gets kidnapped, Uh, and you, because now we're into, I'm, we're just going into spoilers. Monterey Jack gets kidnapped, and then they don't, you don't see Gadget and Zipper until like the third act. Like we need a ride sort of scene. And yes, they were telling a certain story with Chip and Dale and like how of their friendship. And I love that. I really did. I, I really emotionally resonated with their whole, we weren't friends for the longest time, but now we're back together. And yeah, this was hard, but we know we were lifelong friends and we're, we're better off together type thing. Um, but I could have definitely wanted to, or I could have done with more rescue ranger stuff, man. Like that would, we were promised a rescue rangers movie and they were very light on the actual Nets. rescue rangers characters. That's it, my one bit. And it's a big enough gripe.
0: I, it seems like it was, you know, as no surprise, uh, 85 minute film. It's not, it's not terribly too long. It might be over 90. It might be a little bit over 90, but uh,
1: it's short enough for me to watch it again later tonight
0: it's uh, the life you live um so i would say it's like probably 70 30 rescue rangers and the rest is just like extra material because well they-
1: there there is a lot of references to the rescue rangers as the show like i said they're like, like exactly. they they made that as a tv show and these chippendale characters are the actors that are like in current world so it's They did a pretty good very job. meta
0: doing the background the you know the Prolong. I'm literally out of mind right now.
1: Um, Easily one of my favorite parts was was them growing, dude. There was literally a scene when they were trying to type out a screenplay. Do you remember that? And mm -hmm. they were doing they. You'd notice that they do the Chip and Dale voices. That kind of elicited a feeling of you know that infamous like scene or like like image of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing. Where like one of them's on a typewriter and the other's lying down on the couch. I feel like they were trying to trying to elicit those guys writing Goodwill Hunting with Chip and Dale writing their little play right there, their story.
0: I can't remember that part, to be honest with you. Um one of the questions I
1: it was really fast during that prologue, but
0: yeah. Uh, one of the things I definitely wanted to ask you because I had a feeling that you might have even had it for yourself here, but um would you have just rather seen this as a TV show? No. Maybe like six episodes. No. Nah. I
1: think I think no, it, I, this sorry. was I really this like it wasn't they didn't give us like this super extravagant mystery or this like well oiled machine of a story. It was like a very quick. We know who the villains are. We know what he's doing, and we just got to stop them, sort of thing. And like to extend that out might've felt like super like dreary and long form. Like this was a quick story. They knew what, they wanted to say. They were able to shove the themes that they wanted to shove in there. And like, it was in and out in a breezy hour and a half. And I love that.
0: So this is just a bit, but I just want to get your input on it. Um, As the weekend has wrapped itself up and I was, and knowing that I would have to talk about this film, uh, it got me wondering, do you, feel, I mean, I, I can't even ask you this because I know you're just going to kind of go against it, but you have another film that's kind of similar like this, where it involves two animals trying to solve the missing of another animal within an overall, like, um I can't really say. Finding like, Dory. No, like, um or I mean, Nemo, like a sentence, I guess I could say syndicate, but like, uh, you know, a group of an organization or whatever that are trying to, uh, benefit from something in a way and like with this you know they're running the bootlegs by grabbing other characters and it's a detective it just kind of made me think of Utopia. you had two animals who are trying to solve the, the missing animals and they're doing that to cause the uprising in the community between prey and predator to divide
1: I mean I I get that but like it I mean it also feels kind of like a Roger Rabbit sort of thing It's like, it's just cartoons trying to hunt. I mean, like, I get what you're saying, but it's, it's, that's just like the general idea of the mystery. And it's not like they're doing the, 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 they're not, I mean, I get what you're saying. They're, they're making those animals feral or whatever, but there's not like a bad guy that's selling these people off. It's like, there's not like a mob boss type guy in Zootopia, right? It's that little sheep thing.
0: But she's, I don't know. She's, she's mayor she wants to be mayor yeah
1: i get i mean i guess i don't know uh i don't i don't like that comparison because i don't like
0: zootopia which is anarchy on its own but too preachy um producer is on my side here oh
1: that's fine i bet you did you did she enjoy this movie did you watch it with her or no no you did not i'm sorry i'm sorry sorry. i know you don't (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, all right, all
1: right, all right. 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 Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chippendales, dude, it had me from the very beginning, dude. Did you? I know, I noticed a very familiar. Like a
0: year ago, and then it definitely had you when the trailer dropped.
1: It and it definitely, definitely had me when I heard the tenacious D song over the, the like beginning. It's literally Jack Black singing to me in this movie, and I'm like, wow, someone is making this movie for Uh... me.
0: I didn't text you because I just was not mentally prepared for. Because it. It, it's it, it,
1: amazing.
0: I, there's Friendship
1: is rare. You Do you know what reading. I'm saying to you? Friendship is rare. It's amazing. It's an amazing song, and that's what it opens up with. But yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many incredible moments, and like I teased before, there's so many characters that we see that I could have never expected to see, like three of the. The most like jaw dropping ones are you see Randy Marsh and Asana from South Park, like one of the most inappropriate shows ever made is has a character in a Disney movie. Now you see a detective from Big Mouth, another incredibly inappropriate Netflix TV show. Yeah. And Butthead from Beavis and Butthead is a state senator, apparently, which I I found incredibly hilarious. Did not see that part. It was on it was on like a bench mural, dude. Like my eyes were peeled. This is all on one watch. I was like catching all these things and the story.
0: I was I was clicking the remote to see how much time I had left. Dude,
1: that's <laughs>
0: okay. that is fucked up. Okay.
1: I mean, dude, this movie, dude, you know me and my love for animation. And this movie literally touches on every single form of animation. Yeah, like yeah, and that's puppetry, in- claymation, 2D, 3D, everything is, that's touched on I mean, from
0: every studio and all it of it.
1: Rocky, it has it all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. There's no way to respond to that word. It just right. not.
1: <laughs> but then, yeah, I mean, you, you go to the scene on Main Street, you see all these characters, like you see that there's like this dirty underworld, you see this weird... Keegan-Michael Key is, like, a cheesemaker like, that sells oh, drug-steaky drug cheese. Yeah, was keegan My Ma- You didn't hear him? Dude, and, like, I Mr. Bjornsson?
0: The weekends, man, are
1: very hard for me. All right. Well, besides that, I mean, I could go oh. on and on and on and on and about all the, the cameos, but, I mean... We'll talk a little bit about grown-up Peter Pan being the villain. I love what they did. did. You did. Did you at least enjoy what they did with him? I thought having him being the kid who grew up out of the role of the kid who grow can't grow up is really ironic and hilarious. And no wonder that he's like stuck doing like criminal shit now because he's been ousted out of Hollywood.
0: Well, it was funny. Um, two things they made him definitely look like he lost himself. You know, uh, I enjoyed that part, but also I thought was funny was when they're at the convention uh, and some parts of the convention I like. But when the little um Neverland boy, Lost Boy, recognized Pain, and he Pain, like kind of showed his true colors and it scared the kid. I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That was an amazing moment.
0: Because it's like it's one of those things where I know we would catch it and everyone catch it, but you don't just. That's one thing, like how close to, in the Peter Pan world, but like how close Peter Pan was to Lost Boys, and like seeing that's kind of funny. Um, it's pro- it's probably gonna definitely torment that child, but it was it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't, I know you don't want to go too butchered into cameos, but uh, one that I didn't like um, was with Seth Rogen, and
1: uh, wait, it was Seth Rogenception, dude. I fucking thought it was hilarious. They found every single voiceover he's uh, uh, job he's ever done, DreamWorks, Disney, whatever. And they were all just they all got their little moment together, and it was four Seth Rogans just hanging out. and I loved it because we saw in the trailer the two Seth Rogans to get two more extra Seth Rogans. Are you kidding me? You really didn't like that one? I didn't hate
0: it, I was just like, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact I wasn't a fan of the Lion King, so seeing the live action. Um Puma, I was just like, oh no.
1: Dude, I mean, don't get me started. I'm not here saying I'm a fan of that fucking Lion King movie. Hey,
0: I just got the movie one.
1: that totally took the 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 entire message of the film and just cut that scene, but somehow it's two hours longer. Anyways, I just like what they did, dude. It's like they pushed the limit of the joke. They like took what could have been a funny joke with Seth Rogan and Seth Rogan and times it by four. I would agree. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Right. I mean, there were so many funny moments at the, at the convention, <clears throat> especially. You saw people dress up at like Ash Ketchum. Borat was running around the convention center. That was hilarious. We get to see that Ch- Dale's friends with Lumiere. And like I said earlier, Ugly Sonic. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I- yeah. There's just so much shit. And yeah. a genuinely good story. And a generally good set of... Uh, char- uh main characters and like really actually good writing and there's even dude i loved akiva's directing and he even gave himself a little cameo as a chip and dale's episode director and he's dressed like steven spielberg and then later at the end when we see the big uh, amalgamation monster a banner falls in front of it just like in the t-rex in jurassic park dude there references to everything I don't know, man. I know you love your highfalutin big story like, oh, you got to sit here and think about it type movies. This is a movie you watch and you're just like, ooh, I know that, yeah. Mm. And you have fun. You have fun with the movie. It's like it if... It, no, is a- it is not a think piece. It is entertainment. It is pure, unabashed entertainment.
0: It's like if I'm sitting there watching, you know, the latest spy throw that comes out and it's Ethan Hunt, Jason Bourne, Jason, Bo- uh, James Bond, Fucking John Wick, like, all these are popping through. They're like, yeah, I might lose myself.
1: Um, Aunt, Ma- Aunt Man? What about Aunt Man?
0: <sighs> He's in there. I enjoyed it, but, like, I still wasn't impressed. That might be what it what is. What do
1: you mean you weren't impressed? You never could have expected to see Paul Rudd in this movie, and he just showed up as Paul Rudd. Why?
0: Um, Disney contracts.
1: I know why, Brent, but I'm just saying there was no real reason to put him in the movie.
0: That's the thing is, like, being in L.A., it's not that hard for you to pop in there film one day, one hour, in and out, paycheck. Yeah, basically
1: for your friends, John and Andy, exactly.
0: It's easy.
1: Yeah.
0: But also, see,
1: I get it, dude. This isn't, this isn't, And and I, you know this what? isn't, this isn't Kubrick. But it's really fun, and it's thoughtful. They put a lot of effort into this movie. They didn't shortchange it. They didn't half-ass it. They made a really, really strong movie with all of the chaos and all of the characters and cameos and jokes, and it still all works. Because this could have been an absolute dumpster fire, and you could have rated it even lower. But, like, obviously, this isn't your kind of movie. This is very much my kind of movie. It is so up my alley. It's ridiculous. And, like I said, a dozen times so far, I I loved it. Well,
0: and we knew that. And I joked with Chase Chase, about how the reason why you didn't give it five was just to prove me wrong that you gave it four and a half. It
1: really wasn't because I wanted to give it five so bad, but I just can't look past the actual lack of the rescue Rangers that this movie has, especially when they went out of the way to get Tress McNeil and uh, to do gadget and uh, like the, the real person. Uh, And I looked it up and Eric Bana is actually Monterey Jack. And he does a fucking fantastic job as Monterey Jack in his Australian accent. And then I think zipper is the all state guy, but like they were not used enough. Those are iconic rescue Rangers characters. They're, like, Chippendale are great, but they are the reason why the show is so memorable. And, like, I, Monterey Jack is honestly why the reason I love that show. So to see them sideline so hard was not great. But I still loved it, loved it, loved it. So, I mean, four and a half
0: stars was, it was obvious. Understandable. Understandable. I'm not mad. Listen, okay, I'm not mad. And I knew what I was, you know, I can't say I knew what I was. Getting I mean, my-
1: you didn't, did you like uh, Officer Putty? jk simmons
0: Simmons. well that's a cheat code right don't go there
1: oh i'm sorry you like jk simmons that's definitely a cheat code it is it is um he was hilarious in this movie really like like and i love how they did so many gags with him they killed him off terminator 2 style with the with the fire extinguisher which i thought was hilarious i thought a lot of this movie was hilarious really but yeah I mean, I guess I guess we can end it there. I really could talk about 30, 45 minutes more about this movie if I had to, because there were so many things I caught. I, I, I do want to leave you with with a couple of Easter eggs that I caught that I don't think I've seen other people have caught. There was specifically when we um there there was like a moment when Dale was walking downtown. You see posters and billboards for movies like Mr. Doubtfire starring Meryl Streep, Fast and Furious Babies, Lego Miserable, the Way app movie, and Batman versus E.T., because why the fuck not? Dumb. Uh, Dumb. How fucking amazing is that? Did you see? And, the, and then you also see, like, a Gucci ad with Dobby, the house elf from Harry Potter. So that, that was hilarious. There were, there was, like, frozen Ice Age, or ice cream and like frozen dinners with foghorn leghorn and Frozone on them. And then uh, on the walk of fame, you can see that Squidward and Chun-Li have fucking stars on the walk of fame, which I thought
0: was really, really funny. But, um, Oh yeah, I think. See if I could read that, but I didn't. I couldn't remember. Yeah.
1: Those are, those are pretty much the main ones that I think I found. But yeah, so many Easter eggs, so little time. And uh, I'm going to definitely have to watch this movie again and again, because every time I watch it, I'm going to find a new character. I'm going to see a new little joke. I'm going to pick up on something. And that's it's why I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I guarantee you it's going to be why I love this movie. So I was very happy with it. And again, I think it would have done great at the box office. And I do feel the need to watch this on the big screen at some point. But From there, from Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, we're going to take a hard left turn into the world of Alex Garland because we got to go out to the theaters and see yet another one of his wacky, out there, thought-provoking films that... Boy, oh boy, you're going to see a shift in uh, opinion when we come to this movie, folks. Uh, Men is the name of the movie starring Jesse Buckley and uh, God, I don't have the guy's name in front of me. It's like Rory. What? go? Rory. It
0: it stars uh, Rory Kinnear. Kinnear. Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear.
1: Oh, you actually got it once. Oh, my God. You can say a name right. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, but he's in, he plays every male character. Oh, yeah, it's
1: Rory Kinnear and Rory Kinnear and Rory Kinnear. That's my fucking- I heard you. No, I heard you. But no, it's, so first off, first and foremost, I'm already going to drop an issue with you. How is Jesse Buckley's character not realizing that all these guys are looking the fucking same?
0: That is the best part. Not like, it's not the best part, but that's what makes this film art house. You know, that's what makes us. This-
1: no, no, that's just uh, that. I think it's just like a suspension of disbelief thing for me because like it was taking me out. Of, I'm like, dude, this child looks like the, they all look the same.
0: <laughs> I don't want to go like in depth into it. I right don't want to go into details either. I can answer your question that I have. It, this is a perfect film. And like, I'm not. This film is open for anyone's interpretation uh, that's a lot of interviews and articles I've been reading uh, that Garland's gave. This is exactly what he wants from people. He wants people to be able to just the reason why he didn't give direct answers is because he wants people to be able to view the film. Diff- that's one way to get different views every single time, which is very rewarding for films, which is what you want. This film, it does, you know, it makes you feel like you're interrogating the the characters It makes you feel like you're obviously you're on this journey with Jesse Buckley. The, I mean, dude, like, I've been on her train since Wild Rose, never getting off. Uh, <laughs> but it makes you, uh, and as a fan of Garland, I think you, know, you enjoy a lot of those, a couple of his films as well. Um, and regardless of how you are with Well, the-
1: out of the three, I think I only enjoy, but he's, I, re- I really only enjoy one.
0: He's, well, okay, but he's also written a lot. Like you'd be, oh. and so I kind of include that when I'm looking at, I mean, he, he was a, a real author. Sorkin situation. I get it. Author-turned-writer-turned-director. I mean, he worked with... Some of Danny Boyle's best films were written by Alex Garvin. A Leonardo DiCaprio film was <laughs> by by uh, Alex Garvin's uh, book. So, like, I've been, you know, in, in terms of, like, view, I guess, like, viewership or whatever, but, like, it just... You know, it's been there. But, like, this film, I think he does a really good job at just, like... He doesn't want, um, you know, like, you can say other directors were, like, you know, this is exactly how... film is to be interpreted you can't think differently this is what it is i really liked how he came together with this one where he created such you know um the displays um that the scenery you know it's in a cottage it's one character and you're also in this town where any person she's uh, interacting with it's another male figure and i think it's really you know it kind of speaks to like not everything that's going on today but just it kind of speaks on a lot of things where like people can see something and they interpret the first thing they think it is. And they don't look around any other that stuff. Um, I guess to like, before, before we can kind of like, go back and forth, we should probably at least, you know me, I want to at least say what the plot of the film is I don't, because some people, sometimes people just don't watch the trailer. Or whatever. Um, I remember when this trailer first dropped and it was just like, I think the first one didn't even show you that Rory Kinnear was playing all the male actors. It wasn't until the second one dropped where they did that, which I think that's, you know, pretty creatively done. Like that idea is pretty, pretty dope. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And the reasons for that obviously come later. But um, so the film is about in the aftermath of a personal tragedy. Harper, who's played by Jesse Buckley, retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find peace to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her, and what begins as a simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears. So here's where I want to start. Go ahead. I will do my best to I, like. From what I interpreted, I would at least like. I this to- is
1: I, no, no. I because I I I pulled a lot from it. This is obviously about like the like the toxicity of men and how how there, there's like an overarching fear from women of men in general. And like the fact that Rory is playing all these different character or, or characters is an allegory for the fact that like, even though men come in all shapes, sizes and ages and whatever, it's always the same kind of base layer evil behind it. And like, I saw that, I get that. Like it was very, very upfront with that, or at least in my mind. Where Where it loses me is... The implementation of the the trauma that she's trying to escape, I think movies like The Night House handled the loss of a loved one and the trauma and the inherent fear that that creates in a much more realistic and believable way. Uh, I did not. I did not. So a demon. I like. I they cut between. They cut between back and forth, and they cut to the fights that she was having with her ex husband. But like, I never. I never really felt it.
0: So you don't feel I never like,
1: really felt it.
0: You don't felt like what she was experiencing, like the way her grief was being portrayed wasn't real.
1: Not no 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 no. I'm, no, it could no, you're are you saying in the sense of the movie or just like how she was well, feeling?
0: How you're comparing it to Nighthouse? I'm just trying to cause Nighthouse is supernatural so, where this is more real
1: life how is this not supernatural dude i feel where are these men all that all have the same face coming from why are they birthing from each other's bodies like there's there's something very supernatural going on in this movie
0: i i, I think it, it's not supernatural um M-
1: mythical like what it's not otherworldly bro it's, it's there's out. some incredible I'll give it I'll give the movie this the third act is fucking bonkers and had my floor or like my jaw gaped the entirety of the third act like that's just bad. like what I, the fuck is going on type shit
0: I uh, it's been a long time since I've uh I honestly I think it was like not since infinity War, where like I just gripped my chest and was just like unaware of like what could happen next and that's one thing um we're like, yeah, we got to get to talk about spoilers in the film because there is a daunting third act that's just out of nowhere kind of hits you in multiple ways. And and I think, what I, I guess, like, how you're saying it doesn't seem believable, that's probably the point of the film, though, is to, like, give you this whole, like, you know, the overpowering aspect that men play in society as a whole.
1: Believability is the wrong word. It's more... It's not that I didn't believe.
0: I think it's just. It's, it's it, not that I didn't believe the the the, the I'm still like, stuck on you comparing it to the Nighthouse. That's all it is. Like I'm trying to pull. Sure. The-
1: well, I that this is these are the things that I was thinking the entire time I was watching it. I've I very much felt the the same tone as Nighthouse because again it's it's a both about like single women seeing, dealing with tragedies them. in the in their houses alone with these supernatural elements. If even though you don't think it's as supernatural as I am, um but it's way it's the way that the the trauma of the loss connects with what's happening in their situations I didn't find I didn't feel the connection as strongly between the uh, Jesse Buckley than I did with and and the weird shit that's happening to her than I did with Rebecca Hall and the weird shit that was happening to her
0: So right off the bat what we're going through with, Jesse Buckley and the their, the journey her grief has taken her on. And the way she's trying to process her healing is she's taken the time to go alone in this countryside. And I think a, a lot of that comes from um, her unawareness of did her ex husband kill himself? Like she's very uncertain if he fell if it was an accident or did she really drive him to jump off the roof? So she's still trying to process that we're open. Like the opening of the film is just that in that moment. And we kind of take turns going back and forth through flashbacks of how it played out. And so as she's trying to process in her own mind, is it like the grief that she's going through is, is she unsure that it's suicide and it's not till the very end where we really kind of come close circle with how she's, come through it she's she's you know she's climbed through that that barrier she broke through it where you know she witnessed going to that third act she witnessed something that in our society culture however you you know you view women like there's a birthing scene by men and for her to see something like that birthing
1: it, scene that's a that's one way to put it,
0: it it's um to describe it any other way really takes away the you know, um the moment Dude, I,
1: I will never be the same after seeing some of the things I saw in this movie.
0: It was there wasn't many people. I went to an older theater, so not many people were there because I more-
1: watched it like three a.m. Bro, when I was driving home, all I could think about was the shit I w- had seen, and I was just like, I don't want to go to sleep.
0: Yeah, she. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I. It, it's it's um, the times you watch films really kind of pull your pull your. Oh yeah.
1: Um, stop, stop watching horror movies during the day you weirdos
0: but i mean i just i think um like i said just like on the beginning of the i like how this film can pull your own interpretation from it um i know like not to i mean us being men and talking about like how harper were how she views um being in this countryside i really liked how she wasn't able to recognize the similarities that the Rory Kinnear character played, um, or like how he played all the same men in this.
1: Right. I, I, think, that, I think, know, think that, I think that was it, more right? of a style. I think that was more of just like a directorial or stylistic choice. Like basically that was like, she just couldn't tell, but the reason why Rory's playing all of the men is more in the pursuit of the allegory that they're going for than it is like something that could be recognizable by the characters
0: what's it's like i know it's more
1: for the audience than the actual character of harper i
0: I know like the vigor the the gentleman that's within the church it's to represent like how the church views women oh yeah not seen a lot of that with power and like
1: a lot of mistrust in the church and powerful entities in in general run by the men and whatnot
0: how they get away with a lot of things
1: Alex, alex garland's a dude right he's doing his own kind real dirty
0: and then he's just telling powerful stories that need to be told. He's really, yeah, very true, very true. He,
1: any, you know what? He tends to lean to the more feminine side of empowerment and storytelling. I mean, think about it. Ex Machina is very much about the humanity of a like a woman robot. Annihilation follows a group of like militarized women, and now this, like he, this is very much his thing.
0: So he he said in an interview that that's one thing that he pulls from is that since he is not a, you know, a female, he, he tends to try and understand the perspective because no man, can a woman. no woman can understand a man. Like that is how our nature comes through with it. And so he feels that it's more compelling telling the story that way, because it's, it's boring to just cont- tell the, con- the same continuous story through a male's
1: perspective. I like that mindset
0: and being able to, to do that through the female lens, it can obviously bring what we're like, what we're seeing with jesse Buckley's character and seeing you know the male being the same person played uh even though they're different characters like that is uh i wanted to say like um when she's at the pub and she's getting a beer and the police officer comes in and she's letting him know that he released and she's like well he was stalking me i saw him twice and then the the instant response to the police officer gave was like how are you not sure that you just weren't where he was going like instantly was just like, you know, berating her that she was like in the wrong place rather than he, he
1: was, was gaslighting
0: her. Exactly. And that's
1: literally a, gaslighting
0: come a very big thing in our society today as well. Mansplaining. Just, it just speaks a volume to like each of these people that Roy can playing is not just different people be at the same faces. They're, they're representing more than just that by basically what their, um, their character represents. Like the yeah person the police officer the clerk even the kid you know the bartender a lot, a lot of a lot of kids he straight up calls her a bitch and a lot of Dude, kids
1: yeah right women. even like yeah they, they 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 not only went through like they went through men in the sense of like like religious and and supposing like supposedly like like mentorial figures with the priest they had the unreliable sketchy character like the cop they had the the character who seemed like the jokey and trustworthy version and then they had the kid that like literally gave off tones of like that shitty neighbor boy that like fucks with your shit and 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 like breaks your fence and and like calls you a fucking bitch like they they took all the toxic traits of like men every kind of man and and personified them in these characters and surrounded Harper with these characters in and she is as a character because of, of of her and her disdain and how she felt about how she was being treated by her ex-husband is it's basically just piling on top of her. All of these same things that she was just trying to get away from
0: because
1: mm-hmm. she felt controlled by her husband.
0: Yes. And, and so I think also um, to go to like at the very end where you where they're kind of like reunited because the last thing like he told her, I'm going to haunt you um yeah that's a very
1: dangerous (laughs) yeah another (laughs) night house out parallel i think
0: that, that mindset um but to go into um his last line where he was like you know what she where she asked like what was it that you ever what was it that you always wanted from me and he was just like love and for her to like had that to be the answer like that goes to show you like there are um more in relationships than just that, like there's more into the whole, you know, who puts 50, who puts a hundred. And then at the end where we see like this whole time where she's been trying to escape and she wasn't able to, because the men were preventing her from doing that at the end where she comes face to face with this, um, this fear, but also this healing process to fully take it into, um, not like accountability, but I mean, in a way to just get, you know, um, I guess to like shed new light, but the last scene we see of her, she's she's laughing. And that's the first emotion we get that's not the, uh, you know, the, um, fear. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, technically so. Yeah. But Terror. She, she's able to. I'm I mean, You can tell, like, as she's battling a lot of them, you know, she'll be pissed off, too, at, rather than, you know, being scared, too, which I like that a lot. Um, that goes to show you Jesse Buckley's talent on another, you know, scale. But. It uh, it's yeah, I think it's a film that can get rewarding on a rewatch, and I think that's why I just enjoy it a little bit more than you do. And its visuals are just insane. Like, oh
1: yeah, the guy who loves never watch rewatching films until like seven to eight years later is gonna be like, oh, I, this is a film that if, needs a rewatch, and that's why I love it. And I'm like, you to me? When are you gonna?
0: Yeah, when are you gonna rewatch this shit? Oh, when I come to St. Louis. With Chase.
1: Oh, and you're gonna go to the theater and make him watch it. I told him I would want to see his reactions to the third act. That'd be hilarious. Well, that's the thing. I
0: want to be with someone when that happens. Yeah, but no, right. right.
1: that's a good movie. This is a good movie to show people and not tell them anything about it.
0: I I think. I mean, it, it takes big swings, and like you kind of yeah. gotta be able to. You well,
1: know, I think Chip and Dale took big swings.
0: It's um, <laughs> <laughs> a little different story there. Um, I mean, it, but also just, you know, it, it definitely has it leaves room for an open uh, interpretation and films not so often like do that where they just like this is my, the only belief that comes through this film. And and Alice Garland did that with Ex Machina, too. You know, like he pulled in a different view on how the ending interpreted you and I both got into that discussion. And I don't know. Yeah. If the is fresh in your mind, but that also ends in a similar way. We're just like, you know, I haven't seen that uh, one since theater. Uh, All three of these films that he's directed, their third acts are insane, you know, for the lead character and like what they do to push forward through just how I guess society takes forward on things. Um, It's and the other thing, too, with this ending of men, when her uh, friend comes back to like when she arrives to this cottage, it's not hidden from the horrors that she went through. Like you see the blood. Like she sees the blood, so it goes to show you that this yeah. is this is all real. Whereas in the night house, her friend when she goes to find her on the boat is not seeing this whole red landscape; she's just seeing her on the boat by herself. Think of that.
1: It took it. you all this time to figure out what the difference was.
0: I didn't want to fully spoil it, but that wasn't uh, one side of my head was literally like the character from Inside Out. One side of my head was trying to pinpoint, um but we're, we got there. All we got there. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean that heavily was on my mind not heavily, but one film that I that kind of had myself thinking when I got over with was Promising a Woman and how that film oh, wow, t- now how that film took, like, you know, I'm gonna you know, you know I mean, Carrie Mulligan's character. She had that process where, like, I want, um, she set out to trap, not I don't want to say like trap, but like she wanted to, to put people put men in the right place. She
1: wanted to know, she wanted to let. Men be men and do the wrong thing, though, so that she could deal out repercussions.
0: Um, but, but and and I know I was there's some other films that this is drawing uh, similarities to, and, and then Night House. You say Night House was the first time I heard that one. I'm try, and I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Um, actually, I um, fucking uh, Last Night in Soho and the neg- It's like the negativity that that film got when it came out and the negativity. This one's getting out. I Yeah, I, yeah, I can no, it,
1: Well, negativity, my butthole, because I fucking love that movie. But I understand what you're saying is I can see where the complaints could align.
0: But you see the similarities.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, that in, in uh, films.
0: Look at that. Well, Look at that. Well,
1: yeah, no, I mean, last night in Soho was way better than men, But
0: well, we are all different people.
1: Right, but while we're talking about men and Alex Garland and Ex Machina, uh, he is a...
0: The thing with um, Last Night at Soho is there's only one (laughs) interpreted.
1: Whatever. Moving on
0: (laughs) to our theme
1: of the week. And we're talking about a genre that Alex Garland is no stranger to, and that is the sci-fi genre. And we would consider his films to be in the more underrated class of that genre. Uh, There are so many, so many, so many, so many movies in the sci-fi genre. And we wanted to talk about the more underrated, underwatched and underappreciated films in that in that whole genre. So what do you got for us this week, Brent, in our theme of the week?
0: Oh, I get to go first again. Um I feel
1: like I always go first.
0: Uh, it's fine
1: then I again, know. if we counted it up, it would probably be just
0: equal. So I was going to ask you, do you know the, the films that Muffin I Man did with Danny Boyle? Who? Alex Garland. Do you know the films that I was referring to that he did with Danny Boyle? No. Uh, 28 Days Later and Sunshine.
1: I do know 28 Days Later. It's not my favorite apocalypse movie.
0: Um, well, you also know Sunshine because it was one of my- Yes, I do know Sunshine uh yeah so my pick because you know that's what we do here um so as usual i had multiple ones and i was narrowing it down to like well what is it that i want to watch and i've recently we watched these films to make it easier because when you're dealing with sci-fi it's best that way i know you had to watch yours tonight for obvious reasons
1: (laughs) well when i tell you what movie i picked you'll understand why i feel like i needed the comprehensive refresher
0: so yeah, I kind of looked at, um, obviously, Letterbox. I went back and kind of was trying to put my head around um, what sci-fi film didn't get looked at much, uh, but yet it has high rewatch value. Like, I know we just got done talking about that with the films we had this weekend, but um, one thing that's always enjoyable with, with those sci-fi films is being able to go back and forth. Um, so as usual like this one didn't really have that good of a box office run so I feel like that's why we can consider this one underrated. But I went with the 2000 do you want do you want to try and guess it? No you can't. I know you I know you can't figure it. Out. Um I went with 2011s.
1: You're so quick to not do games that you then you bring up like hey, wait, we should do this and you're like ah, 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 never mind.
0: Um so I cho- okay, so I uh, I chose 2011's The Source Code, directed by Duncan Jones. Um, this is, do you know anything about it? No. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Oh, well, hey, that's... I a- mean, I've
1: heard the title.
0: Oh, you heard the title?
1: I could not tell you a single thing or actor or about it. So if, so if I told you this
0: was a space film, would you believe me?
1: Sure. Well, it's not. If you said if it was a movie where a guy slapped a... A donkey with a piece of baloney. I would believe you. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Um, no. So this one is uh, this Jake Hall. Oh, there it is. Right. <laughs> uh, so it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. But hey, I think this is like the first time I've talked about Hall in her uh, thing. But um, no way, that's true. Yeah, don't don't print. We're through.
1: 24 episodes in. There's no way this is the first time we're talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, my God. Do I need to go back to our different episodes and find if
0: you've talked it about it? We had a movie come out not too long ago. Yeah. Ambulance. Dude, I'm telling you, man, I'm not here right now. Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: OK, it really I mean, yeah, you he's your guy. I, that makes total sense that this is your pick.
0: Okay, So and I was um, just for shits, the other film that I was kind of throwing this was Life because I do enjoy that that space film. That-
1: oh, so you were like, all right, we're doing underrated sci-fi. How many movies has Jake Gyllenhaal been
0: in? <laughs> I mean, I oh my god, I, I was I could say something so. Inappropriate. You
1: had your own criteria for this thing, I, man. You're like, it has to be an underrated sci-fi and also have Jake Gyllenhaal. If
0: I could say something so inappropriate, but <laughs> I'd be chased. Sci-fi film, but I, I can't do it. Maybe I'll text it to you. Um, Just like what you're saying. Uh, so you're unaware of source code. Possibly our viewers are unaware of source code as well. Um, what this film is about is about uh, a decorated soldier who wakes up in the body of an unknown man, discovering he is involved in a mission to try and find the bomber of Chicago commuter train. He learns he's part of a top secret experiment program that enables him to experience the final eight minutes of another person's life. Colter relives the train incident over and over again, trying to gather clues each time to find out who is the, you know, the, the bomb creator to stop the bomb because, you know, they're trying to save lives and to not, this is a 94 minute film. So it is a breeze to watch and, it, and you really pick up on a lot of the hints and it's, it's a, Uh, underrated ass
1: movie got a short
0: ass moves out too especially with trying to put together the pieces of what's going on but also just trying to uh immerse yourself into this world where like you're you're seeing like this person's um because it's it's a weird process how they go about it because he's inserting they're inserting his himself into another man to try and solve this crime and like it's program they're working on and so it's really out of this you know us out of this world is the expression people say, but it without truly spoiling it because this does have one of those cliffhanger innings. Um, it's underrated, man. It, it's fun. Jake Hall does everything he can to really like the willpower to just keep you invested, and it's a um just a thrill because the stakes are high. Uh, each time they get close to solving a murder, they do that. I know one thing that was really neat within the, the film is like. He's trying to, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to spoil it, yada, yada, yada. But, like, he's trying to find the cell the cell phone. And when you're on a train, a lot of people are on their fucking cell phone. So there's, they do a really good job at just um, bringing you into that scene and, like, feeling that tense where, you know, any person in that room could be the suspect. And he's trying to figure it out. But he only has eight minutes. And so, the, you know, when the bomb goes off, like, it feels like he lost and it's game over. But he gets to go back and he tries to solve it. And those films where it has that Groundhog day, you know, vibes to it where you're, they're reliving the same thing like vantage point. They do. Oh, that's a weak film, but they do a, movie. They do a really good job at just like how, like how this one's done. They do a really good job when they go back each time to bring new layers to it. And you are learning new clues to like what his purpose is in there. Sure. And he, he gets the help well, with Michelle Monaghan. And that's always a delight. So it's, and at the same time you're with Jake Jonah, you're also with the the doctor and the, his, his boss in a way, the military advisor, I think is, I guess, for position or whatever, but that's Vera Farmiga and Jeffy, right? But it's like overall, it's it's, it's great. And and I think it's always one that you go back to. I, I don't see it streaming right now. It used to be on Prime, but this film I know hops around all the time. And, and I think it's, it's really cool. I know it would be something You know, if we had a source code cinematic universe, as I once said, (laughs) I think that would be, you know, just wild. But it it's it's that would
1: make honestly, dude, that would make a good series.
0: I I think there's you
1: get a squad of source coders who like do that like jump around and well, that's the thing.
0: If if you watch like Quantum Leap, if you watch the film, you can really pull into like the further ip that they can create within you know this universe because what they're doing here is they're trying to find you know the identity of the bomber so they can stop the bomb like defuse the bomb that's the word i've been looking for the past eight minutes but myself and there's other you know situations out there where, you know, they could use something like that. I think it'd be pretty dope. Um And Jake, like I said, man, Jake Tillman really does a good job at just keeping you invested the entire time. And if you don't believe him, the movie doesn't work. And I know Duncan Jones is like not a big, I mean, he's, he is the son of David Bowie, but he did Moon, which I know you fucking loved. And that's, and that's a great film mine myself. And then he, Ever since he did Warcraft, he's kind of really been quiet. Oh, that that's just, funny. I know that film got really just destroyed, really So he
1: probably put a lot of time and effort into that movie, and when the reception was the way that it was, it probably stifled him a little bit. But, he's uh, the son of David Bowie? What the fuck?
0: The son of David Bowie. That, that's, that's awesome, dude. Low. You
1: should just be the son of David Bowie. That's cool enough in and of itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. You yeah. Have star power in your body, uh, dude. He, it's, you know, it, uh, I, I just out of curiosity, let me see if I can, uh, look, cause internet movie database. I'm on internet movie database now, I'm just going to see if he has anything lined up cause his last film was mute in 2018 and that's been a while and his upcoming projects are, yeah, I can't see that's tr- really happening. Yeah. So he's taken some time out of the light there, but that is my pick if you, um, for the theme. So
1: I went in a very Brett trail direction with this pick. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of Monty Python. And I'm a very, very big fan of the directing styles of one Terry Gilliam. And one of his films that I found recently that like kind of blew me away with, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's surrealism to the highest form. It's truly unpredictable. It's a movie that, like, interweaves between political and, like, potent satire and expressionist fantasy and blazing science fiction, like, ridiculous science fiction. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's an utterly audacious piece of cinematic art. What do you think I picked?
0: Because you know I haven't
1: seen it. Right. Exactly. Brazil. Yes, sir. Terry so, Gilliam's. That 19... was a longer film than you said it was. Two hours and 15 minutes shit that's exactly how long it is <laughs> i timed it perfectly get out of here but i love this movie
0: oh, i've watched it now twice uh sorry Letterboxd has it as two hours and 23 minutes So go on
1: i think that's like a uh under like a, a different
0: cut you own this right
1: yeah i have that criterion
0: okay, so then i'm gonna steal it from you this week <sighs> yes
1: yeah, sir because it is like your movie it is not streaming anywhere unless you want to rent it but dude, this movie is.
0: Collection, right? Yeah, you said that. Never mind. See my brain.
1: It is. Uh, it is. Dude, this movie is dystopian science fiction and pure chaos and incredibly uh, apropos, like political commentary on bu- like just the the state of like bureaucratism or whatever, and like how bureaucracy doesn't work, and basically one mistake leads to the death of one man and the capture and death of our main character, essentially by the end of the film, it's incredibly visual. The style of this movie is unlike anything you'll ever see in any other movie. There's the practical sets, the design, the, like, again, the, the, the pure surrealism. This is a, it's a very loose adaptation of uh, George Orwell's 1984 and the whole like dystopian, future where the the world is run by like like evil bureaucrats and people are getting kidnapped and taken away from their homes and 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 and, uh, signed crimes that they didn't even commit and everything has to have 17 forms filled out before you can do anything and everyone's placed in their jobs because of their how powerful their parents or their family is so it's it's basically just like a terrible look at what our potential future could be but from the from a 1980s perspective so it's uh, it's so stylistic it's so ridiculously visual and kitschy uh and i mean the this movie isn't about the plot it's a pretty standard plot this dude is chasing after this girl he keeps having dreams about and those dream sequence are are super again surrealistic and they are they're fantastical and you got jonathan price as the star and he really holds this movie together you're following him throughout the entire time but you got incredible cameos from people like bob hoskins and michael palin from the monty pythons and jim broadband and a very very memorable comic uh, uh cameo from one scuba de niro that would be robert de niro in a scuba sc- uh, suit and it's easily but one of my favorite de niro performances ever it's super hilarious this movie is it just fires so many things at you all at once you never you can never guess where the movie is going next because every time you think you know where it's going it takes a hard right turn into an incredibly new world it's it is it is way out there and i could not be more excited to see what you think about this movie
0: no i definitely um honestly this um whenever we know we're going to see each other let me borrow it and i can, I can knock that out um, totally I remember looking at your letterbox. You watched it a, a couple of years back, and that I was like, "Man, I don't have it." And it was one of those where a Criterion Collection, even though when they went down in prices, that was still a higher one because it's still viewed within like that.
1: You know, right? I I remember seeing it on a sale, and I was still like, "Oh no!" But then when I I rented the movie originally, and then this is the first time I've actually broken the seal on my Blu-ray because as soon as I watched it, I'm like, "Oh, I need the Criterion Collection because I will be watching." I didn't this time, but I will be watching the audio commentary with Terry Gilliam and to see him talk about his mindset while making this film and all the different things and the visual choices and all the stylistic choices. So I'm I'm very excited to break that out. But yeah, this movie is I mean literally this is probably Terry Gilliam's most uh, audacious and is 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 probably his greatest solo achievement. Like I I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Vegas but that movie tends to drag on this movie just feels like an acceleration throughout the entire time you're just like things are happening 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 you have no idea what's going on and like I mean it's really hard to describe without like having have you have having seen it it's it's crazy it's a crazy movie it thrives on the bizarre
0: yeah I don't even think I I've seen a trailer for it, so I'm going to keep myself away from. it. Oh, that.
1: don't watch a trailer for it because the trailer. I watch a trailer after the fact. It, it's bad.
0: It, it like,
1: it's like coming soon to theaters. Uh, Sam Lowry is like a mild man. Like it's like a terrible cheesy old trailer that doesn't fit the tone of the film at all. But yeah, Br- Brazil is a complete vision. Uh, it's it's expressionist visuals. It's extraordinary world building, like incredible, incredible world building in this movie. I mean, and it's it's just a, a perfect balance of like black comedy. And and like there is even some horror moments in there. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful mess of chaos that I really do enjoy watching every time. And I I guarantee you there's not enough people out there that have seen this movie. People don't even know what Brazil is. You can like oh dude, I've seen Brazil and people would be like the country.
0: You're not wrong about that one. I can promise you that though.
1: But yeah, that's my pick. I think we have two extraordinary picks for you guys. Actually, these are really good movies that I know I'm gonna watch your pick, you're probably gonna watch my pick, hopefully. And I hope all of our listeners get a chance to check those movies out as well. I could not agree more.
0: And as always, um, we'll give um, some more picks. Yeah,
1: even more recommendations for you people. Um, With mine, I decided to use mine to talk about an extra new movie that came out on streaming this week. Uh, We all saw, enjoyed, laughed, cringed, threw up a little bit at Jackass Forever earlier this year. And the other day on Netflix, they dropped the third installment of the 0.5 series, but Jackass 4.5 came out. I've always really enjoyed the four, like the 0.5 films because they have a more talking head documentary behind the scenes sort of tone to them. Plus you get all the bonus stunts and and sketches and all that stuff. So to get, I was already more than happy that we were seeing more Jackass content all these years later when we got the first movie to see that we're getting this 0.5 film and there was all this other footage. I really loved it. It was super hilarious as usual, so definitely go and give that a watch on Netflix.
0: And I'm going to stick with Netflix, if uh, if you allow me, because I know next week um, we're going to be pretty busy. We're going to have a stacked
1: episode next week, bro.
0: But uh, as you've heard me mention a couple times before, I don't think a couple times, but I've at least I know I've said this on there. Um, Love, Death, and Robots Season 3 premiered on netflix as weekend. i know you had the luxury of watching at least a season well
1: one. no i watched one episode and i actually i f- somehow i fi- i forgot how to netflix and i watched the like last episode of part one like that zima blue one so that's all i've seen but i obviously it, it totally piques my interest but like that's definitely going to be for me it's going to be like a late night get super medicated sort of thing and then just like zone out and be encapsulated by the incredible animation because yeah I know the I know the 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 re- the record or uh basically the reputation that this show has. I know it's there there they wouldn't be three seasons of this show if there wasn't a, a stellar reputation. It so on, it's one eleven 11
0: which yeah. is yeah but I so this I mean it, it released uh, nine episodes and what I like about them is they range from about five minutes to 20. And they're just—I've caught some. Uh, I know David Fincher directed an episode, and they also have some well-known actors in each of them too. Uh, Mackenzie Davis voiced one as an earlier one. It's—it's um, it's fun so far. I don't want to like fully spoil it, and I just yeah. I don't want to hear anything about it. Watching this makes me. Wonder. Do they
1: ever connect? Do the stories connect?
0: I, I didn't do. Okay, so pick, yeah, picked the one I wanted to watch based on the time I had in my night. Um, they don't. They don't. I,
1: there's no order
0: and yeah, there's no tr- true order. And they're, they're just, they're fun. Like I know I, I really wanted to watch the the night of the mini dead. So I watched that. And I, I laughed my tail off. That was, it was fantastic. Um, Some say it's just as great as chips and dales and it's only five minutes long. That is um, that's my recommendation. So, awesome, man. Well,
1: that is another episode of the Sin rivals podcast. We, we came, we saw, we conquered, and now we will leave you until next week. When we have a gigantic episode for you, maybe a special guest, uh, someone we talk about quite a bit on this podcast will be showing up. Uh, we'll be talking about Obi-Wan Bob's burgers, and we're going to hit the highway to the danger zone.
0: And maybe stranger things. Oh, fuck. I, I, I wanted that reaction.
1: Shit.
0: Just We're fucked next
1: week. High key fucked. But uh, we'll see you then. And when you get our next three hour episode here, folks.